I'm Sandy. And I'm Amy. We're two women taking on life's questions as posed by our listeners. In this podcast, we're channeling over 10 decades of life experience to tackle the probing questions and issues by first recognizing the real and life situations. While we also pursue the ideal in the conversations. Thanks for joining us. And if you like our podcast, please share, rate, review so others can listen in. Now to our conversation. Andy, how are you? I like your uh, headband today. Um, I'll move it a little bit, a little shaky, shaky with the shamrocks. Thank you, Amy. Happy March. Happy March. Today we're dressed in our Irish celebrating St. Patrick's Day, and we're going to talk about where we come from mm-hmm. and a little bit about genealogy and our 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 people. We're going to talk about our people. Our people, exactly. And and who we want our people to be and why we have this need to be a part of the people. But, you know, everyone is Irish on St. Patrick's Day. So my question to you, Amy, is are you Irish? Well, so funny you should ask. I um, My family genealogy is kind of blurry because we've been in the United States for so long that I've always told my children that we came over on the Mayflower. And so doing research has actually turned out that, yeah, we've been here since the 1600s, you know, early 1600s that I can see right now. And um, but I did some name research on all my mm-hmm. names in Scottish, Irish, uh, or English at least. And we went through Ireland right. <laughs> kind of to get here, and which I think that's a lot of people's story. That's so cool. So my, my family, my maiden name was Wagner. So Wagner, you would think would be German. Uh, it's actually Luxembourg. So I grew up in Remsen, Iowa, and when you hear people talk about, you know, all the time St. Patrick's Day, well, we had Oktoberfest because our town was the little Luxembourg of Iowa, because just like my great-grand, it was my, on that side, my great-grandparents immigrated from Luxembourg, and most of the people that did, Luxembourg's very tiny, went to this small town. So it is the little Luxembourg of Iowa and probably of America. And then on my mom's side, um, so Oktoberfest was a big deal and everybody became Luxembourg on Oktoberfest because that's what we celebrated. My mother's side, my mom is really big into genealogy and part of this conversation, you know, I'd really like to kind of dig into that. You know, I'm kind of interested. I love hearing what she has to say but I'm not interested at the level and the tenacity she puts into researching every detail. I love hearing about it, but like that love she has of knowing her past. And she's found that our family did come off of the Mayflower. If you can believe that she's worked with a genealogist out of Salt Lake, but again, it goes way, way back with that side. And it's a little bit more English, I believe. And, and then my grandfather on that side was German and similar to the Luxembourg side, it's my great-great-grandparents, so it's a little closer removed. Uh-huh. And it's interesting that you brought that up, Amy, because I've never thought about like going way, 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 you know, the ones that came off the Mayflower versus the ones that are two grandparents removed. 
it feels a little closer with those because the stories are still raw from like my grandparents telling it from their grandparents that lived primarily in the other country. So that's interesting too. I, I, I don't think I have any Irish though, Amy. I, we have a, but on my side, but so my husband's side is completely different. And I find his family fascinating because his grandfather, the, his, the Tokus name, his grandfather, grandpa Tokus came over from Hungary as a 13 year old by himself. His father had come ahead of time. Okay. And so his motivation came, was father was here. Okay. His father was, his father had left the family and the mom and the kids. And then he came by himself at 13 to connect with the father. I think the plan was for everybody to eventually come, but they didn't, they did not. And, um, so we have actually like tried to find his name at Ellis Island signing mm-hmm. in and things like that because, and then, so he's the first generation here. And then Tom's grandmother was from Croatia. She was born in the United States, but her parents were, came over right before she was born. So just his family history is very uh, new in our, in the United States versus my family. It's like, we've just been here forever. (laughs) Okay, so question for you. Now go down a generation back to it being fresh. And especially the Croatia is the closest lineage, right? Of being, uh, of coming to America. Would that be the most recent? Or the Hungarian. Actually, the Hungarian? Yeah. How do your girls and son respond to that? Do they like to hear those stories? Do, they do. Do you see it fading with generations? Um, they like to, they like that connection. So my, so here's a really cool story. My mom has always taken my kids on trips when they turn 13, she'll take them anywhere in the world they want to go. And my son, my youngest, he chose Eastern Europe and they started in Hungary and he did a really cool, um, exploration of the city he was very he felt very interested in that city and I think it's because he knew of the Hungarian roots so there's there's a lot to be said about that piece but I'm just going to tell you there's a lot to be said about the stories of people just in our country you know and like my grandfather he was a storyteller my grandfather cook on my mom's dad And he talked about being a kid moving west. His family, they were homesteaders in Nebraska. And then they moved to Wyoming and then they moved to Oregon and he landed in California, but they slowly migrated west. And he used to tell the stories about seeing the train uh, for the first time and, you know, and just on the prairies and, and, um, he wrote stories and we still have all that. My, my aunt, um, she's like our, she's our vault. She's like your mother. She mm-hmm. loves all the stories and the genealogy and all that stuff. So it's, it's kind of fun to see even, even that history and connecting us to States and where we've, where, where we've been as a family. Isn't it interesting, you know, as we're talking about this and I'm thinking about today and back to those more closely migrating and how 
my wonder is, was it like this back then? And as you add generations, it's different. So using Ireland as an example, people are so proud of their Irish heritage, okay? Ireland's a very poor country. A lot of people came here because they were starving, okay? They were starving. Right. And so there are different countries, you know, the thing with Luxembourg is people don't always, it's kind of interesting. It's different, you know, Hungary is different. Oh my, I, I have British, you know, there's all different feels for it. Well, now do people come over say, my heritage is Mexico. Let me tell you about that. Or Haiti, they tend to want to more belong than talk about what their heritage is. So my question is, is that a today thing or was that was first uh, immigrants, first generation immigrants from Ireland feeling the same way where they were trying to belong more than they were trying to honor that heritage? Yeah, that's a good question. I um, have you ever been to Toronto? No, I have not. Okay, my mom lived there for a little bit and we went up to visit one summer. And Toronto is known to be the most diverse city in the world. Is Toronto on the east side? Uh, yes. Do it's they have just, a big spear that you can eat dinner on? Uh, I think I've been there. But anyway, keep going. Would I, I have know. driven to Niagara Falls from there? Yes, yes, Okay, yes. I've been to Toronto. Yeah. How bad okay. am I? Okay, keep going. Right. Yes, I've been to Toronto, no. Amy. Toronto is the most diverse city in the world. And okay. wow. they have they have the, they have cultural melting pot, not, I'm not going to even say they're melting pot. They have cultural centers all over the city. So there's the Spanish center, the Greek center, the Chinatown, there's like all of these areas, they have their spots to hang out. And um, that's so cool. It was, it's super cool because you go there, it was bizarre being from the Midwest and going there and riding the, um, we rode a ferry somewhere. There were languages, all sort, every language on that ferry. It was, and it was a local type of ferry. So it wasn't a uh, tourist type of experience. And I remember thinking, isn't this just interesting? All of these cultures have come together in this city and they have found their place. They've connected with their people, yet they're experiencing a new, but they found their comfort zone. And we were driving one time and uh, we passed an area and they were all waving flags and there was this huge celebration and it was the middle of the summer and it was the World Cup. Spain had just nice. advanced in the World Cup and it was the Spanish area of town and they were all having a great old time. So I don't know about the Irish coming over. I know there's been historically, um, I've read historically uh people have looked down upon like the italians and and the like coming over and you know having their groups and uh because i read something recently the thing that was different about the irish the italians and um i can't remember what other group they were able to blend in Mm -hmm. You know, after a generation, they look like everybody else, like they could blend in and not be um, their physical characteristics didn't make them different. So, so they were, maybe, you know, what I love about that is part of holding on to that heritage and making it your people is even when you don't blend in to embrace who you are, because yeah. part of being 
where we're from is not only what heritage and what country our family came from. You know, I hold, I, I hold like a badge, the fact that I'm from the Midwest. I love to tell people that. Where are you from? Well, it's very exciting. I was born in Iowa and I, live, I was born in Iowa. I lived there for 20 years and 30 years in Nebraska, but I love that. It's a piece of me. But right. you're reminding me too, when you talk about Toronto, you brought back memories of when I ran my, my very one and only marathon. And for the record, when you tell non-runners you ran a marathon, they tell people you're a marathoner, even though you've done just one. <laughs> and it's kind of, it's it, the people that have done all 50 states, I'm sorry, I don't call myself a marathoner. I did one, um, but I ran the Chicago Marathon. And can I tell you what I will never forget about the Chicago Marathon wasn't about how I ran or what my time was. They ran the marathon through different parts of Chicago. So you went through Chinatown, Little Italy, but it wasn't just, it was a cultural experience, but back to my people, Wrigleyville. You know, there were different people that lived in the different communities. Some of them were because of culture. Some of them were because they wanted to be by their people. They were more eclectic, more conservative. We went through all these neighborhoods and it was a spectacular journey. And I'm telling you, I picked the right marathon because I felt like I was on this little trip and it was all new to me because I wasn't, you know, when I would, when I go to Chicago, I see the bean, I go down, you know, Hancock, I do the same stuff, but I felt like I was a part of different cultures. And when you say my people, when it really comes down to where are you from, it really comes down to your connection with your people, right? Right. Right. And every community has that to Your different history. extents. Your history. Yes. Um, so I, I did a long walk in Chicago, like a 39 mile walk for an organized walk, not a run, oh. not a runner, but we did a walk, a, my, a friend and I did. And um, I thought the same thing about Chicago because it's a little bit, it's got all these pockets and a very interesting and fun city to walk through and really explore like that. Were you were you doing that? I'm trying to remember. I think I remember you posting on this. It were was like an Avon cancer. Okay. Uh, were, were you doing charity. that for Bali or did I make that up? No. For what? Were you doing that for a person or just for the uh, event itself? My the girlfriend I walked with, mm-hmm. she was a cancer survivor. Got it. So we kind of we did That's it. That's a long together. way. It was fun. It was long. It was long. So yeah, (laughs) but I, but so I can walk, but I'm not a runner. (laughs) So I'll say that. Um, But that's, I agree, like those pockets and that history and, and finding your place. Now I'm going to tell you a story. I have a friend who uh, I, I was talking to one time and I said, oh, I saw someone who she could be your sister. She looks just like you. And she's like, oh my gosh, can I get her information? And I was like, well, that's interesting. You know, I was just like, nobody ever says that. They're just usually like, oh, well, her father had been adopted and um, and did not know anything about his family. So he, she's our age. Father is, um, you know, probably 70s-ish. I don't know. And um he doesn't know his family history. And so she's, when I said that, it, it's a connection for her of a possibility, which I thought was really interesting. And it changed my perspective 
of those people wanting to find. I think that's a great, I love that topic, Amy, because I, I, I'd like to hear what you think about that. We both just talked about in a recent episode about people yeah. that um, were adopted or finding, but I guess we were talking about 23andMe and things like that right. and finding and how my mother and I helped an adopted son find his family. And originally he said he wanted the medical background for his own children. He was adopted. He had wonderful adoptive parents. He had his peeps, his community. He and I went back and forth because where he was raised, I went to college with some of his friends. I mean, it was so clear to me that he, I mean, he totally had a sense of belonging and had his community and had his people and loved his family. So he wasn't looking for something that he thought he was missing, but it was so important to him. And it took us about nine months to help him. But what we found is the journey wasn't so much, you know, he said it was for the medical, but it's just something he needed and wanted to know. And that's an interesting concept to me back to, you know, I've always known very, very uh, clearly where my heritage came from and who my people were from the bloodline perspective. And right. how would I be, you know, would I have that longing and where does that come from? Where are you from? Right, exactly. And, and you don't know what you'd want to know if you didn't know. Like, if you had that blank, what, you know, what, I'm thinking what of your friend. Be? I'm thinking of your friend. So would I, I would be the same way. I'd think, oh, that could be someone I'm out there. Is there somebody right. here that I'm related to? Am I Irish? Where did I come from? I mean, right. there is a, there's, there's a burning need in all of us to know where we're going and to try to direct it, but knowing where we came from helps give us the clear picture of the story of us, right? Right, right. Have you ever done 23andMe? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I do enjoy things like that. I do, you know, yeah. my mom, she'll look through every detail. I did I did get a little bit more um, uh, when I was helping the cousin and it was really, it was our great, great grandparents that were related. So it made it really, it was a CSI study because, you know, they were having 10, 12 kids back in the day. And yeah. so I would look at the chromosome. I got pretty good at that to know which ones were stronger or how to get the stronger relationships to at least figure out which line. But wow, I, you got scientific. And I did do ancestry. Uh, that's interesting because uh, a little bit more, that one's more geared toward the family trees and the genealogy. Um, I found it all fascinating. My young, my, I need to ask my middle son. I sent him one. He was interested for Christmas. And I don't know if he's gotten yeah. his results back. How about you? Well, you did, or was it your brother who did? I haven't, but my brother yeah. did. But it's a very interesting, the report you get back because mm -hmm. it identifies like where your origination is from, like your genetic origination and where you've been possibly. I can't remember exactly the specifics, but also medical information that because of your genetics, you should, you know, be aware of certain things. And it was really, his report was super interesting and I've been tempted to do it, but I haven't done it yet. What was interesting too, and probably it was more so because we were helping the cousin that we found through the 23andMe or he found me, it was my cousin. It wasn't on my mom's side or distant cousin. 
And because I was going, I have um, the church books and my mom was researching. And so we'd look up families. I kind of felt like I was reading the story of all these families that went down the line and they're not as dry as here's the family tree. Here's who married who, because you're finding when you submit your picture and story to the church album in the seventies, you're giving the story of your family in your words. And it's a short clip or the newspaper articles, you know, back in the day when they do a newspaper article about a wedding, you know, they talk about what color the frosting was on the cake and who exactly attended from where, you know, so it was, it was kind of like reading a good book. And it is the story of me because they're all my relatives, you know, whether distant or not, we came from the same great, great grandparents. So it made me want to have a big old family reunion. Maybe we should. (laughs) I know. Isn't that, that's the truth. Like a 23andMe family reunion. Anybody who's like genetically connected, let's all get together. So where are you from? Does your family do family reunions for extended family? Yes, we do. We, we have, um, uh, on my mother's side, probably every three years on my dad's side, it's been a little bit longer. Um, I, I, I can't, I actually, I can't remember the last one I attended. It was before he passed away, actually. I don't think I, and so that's been about 15 years since I attended one. Huh. So yeah, it's been a while since I've gone to, we've done funerals and stuff like that. Right. But my, uh, my mom's side is really good. They, when both of, my mom has nine kids in her family and their parents both passed away in 2000 and they have a family reunion like clockwork every two years. They vote on the next one. I mean, it is like clockwork, but here's an interesting fun fact for you. Um, have you ever heard of the concept of double cousins? No, what's so double cousins? <laughs> I, my, gosh, okay, I, I got to get this right. It, it is basically when a brother, when two siblings marry two siblings, okay? Oh, so yeah. The cousins only have, they basically are double cousins because they're the only one set, right? Oh, wow. And so that happened in my mom's family. It was my mother's great aunt and uncle married sisters married brothers so and the last name was Han which is English and so the Hans have a double cousin picnic and then anybody who's related on the Hans are invited but what's fun is it always makes everybody talk about the neck the lower generation okay double cousins how did this work again yeah yeah. (laughs) and so my mother wasn't a product of the double cousins but her uh great aunt great aunts and great uncles married. So there you go. Double the Han double cousins. The wow. Han isn't that interesting? That's awesome. Very it makes fun. your family gatherings a little bit different. You'd be going back and forth to the same sides. You might as well just have it all together and invite both sets of grandparents, right? Right. That's fun. I love that. All right. So we have a couple of questions that we're going to talk about today. Um, So some people desire to forget their past. Can a person really disassociate from their DNA and upbringing? Can it be healthy? Um, That's a really good question about forgetting your past. Uh, You know, I, 
I have had some revelations about my past, my childhood. I grew up in the South mm-hmm. and um, growing up in the South, I used to be so proud of being from the South. And now that I'm out of the South, I have, I have a little bit of a disconnect because I see some things that were happening and I, I didn't see it when I lived there. And so now, so this isn't about my heritage as much as where I came from, the, the, the space, the, per, the place, um, but I still have this love for the South. So it, I, it's interesting, you know, that's more of about the place. What do you Great. think? I think, I think that you can never totally forget. It doesn't mean you have to associate yourself back to your DNA past or where you're from, if it has some ugly sides to it. I've never seen anyone successfully be able to feel whole and move on by pretending their past never happened, whether it be a bad marriage, pretending the marriage never happened, pretending it doesn't mean you have to wear it like a badge and tell everybody. Um, but trying to ignore it, it, you really, me, you know, me in books. So I, I am a sucker for a memoir. I loved the Mariah Carey, the meaning of me memoir. I found it, I did, I knew nothing about her. I only knew like three of her songs, Yeah. but I do like a memoir, but she had a really tough past. And one thing I'll tell you when you brought up this question and maybe it's fresh cause I just listened to her audio book. She tried so hard to disassociate her with you for, with people and her past. And I think it made her more miserable. And it was only until she could come to grips with, she didn't have to accept that things were right, but trying to pretend they didn't happen, it just, it's, it's, it's impossible. You have to accept what it is. Doesn't mean you have to tell everybody if you, if there was something about your Irish background, you don't like, you don't have to wear the hat and you know, the, the ears and what are they? The shamrock. Um, I, I think it's healthy to, you don't have to embrace your past, but you have to accept it. And whatever it is that's hard about it that you want to forget, you can't erase your DNA to accept it and move forward in a positive way. You know, I agree. I, I'm, as you're talking, I am thinking of uh, when we were visiting Eastern Europe and Germany in particular. And as a culture, they have confronted what happened in the 40s in their country in the 1940s, World War II. They, they don't like shove it under the rug and pretend it never happened. They talk about it all the time. It's part of their conversation. It's part of their story, even though it's a horrible piece of country, country history and it's not something but they they keep it as part of their story because it's an interesting I know it's an important learning point it's not like and it's it's not like we're gonna just pretend this didn't happen and let's move on it's like no this is our story we need we did this we need to be better and we're gonna be better and we're not gonna do this again so um, I, I think people need to do that too. I agree. I think people need to live their story. And I, now Sandy, here's a question for you. Is it our age 
that makes it easier for us to live our story because sometimes in your 20s and 30s, you don't have that self-confidence to accept. You try to hide possibly and cover up the bad stuff. And then now at this age, we're like, take it or leave it. <laughs> this is who I am. This is I me. think it's the normal journey. Some people, I think it's maturity and yeah. some people are forced to mature earlier. And it is amazing what some younger people do. And it's, it's the hardships, you know, it's how soon you have the hardships and how you deal with it. That makes you more emotionally mature to yeah. deal with it. Now, I've always kind of worn, you know, the ha- when you're saying that, I'm thinking, oh, well, the happy things are easy, you know, right. um, the more difficult things weren't, but did I even recognize them as being difficult? We're both a bit of Pollyanna. Do we just right. pretend they didn't happen? And then when we get right. older and we have more time with ourselves, we, yeah. we, we, we're a little bit, we're a little bit more real. Right, right, right. I think that's so true. Yeah. I think, especially in my twenties, I was very picky about the story, my story that I told people. Yeah. You know, it was like, here are the things I'll share right. with you. And then I'm not going to share the bad stuff. <laughs> so okay. I know, I know our next question is what's the real, what's the ideal. And I'll tell you, yeah. I want to say what the real is. It's okay. fun to celebrate where we're from, you know, oh I, yes, the, the good things we've been talking a little bit about the bad, but the celebration, whether it be everybody's Irish on St. Patrick's Day or celebrating the little Luxembourg and bringing up the stories of the past or the family reunions and re-exploring where we came from or the neighborhood parties. The, yeah, I I love the real and the celebration of where we're jointly from. And I think it's so great and raw and beautiful that we can celebrate these things together. I like a reason to celebrate. So, okay. So I'll do the ideal. I'm going to say the ideal is if you're not celebrating, then you need to start celebrating and start honoring the history of your culture, your family, whatever it is, and accepting other people for who they are and their history and their family culture. Um, A little celebration we had recently when Tom's dad passed away, he was Tokus, Hungarian. His Mm -hmm. grandfather was the one, or his dad was the one who had come over. So he was raised in this um, Hungarian language home and lots of Hungarian cuss words and stuff like that. Um, But anyway, when he passed away in December, I made Hungarian horns, which are little cookies that had been passed down from an aunt. And so anyway, for Tom's family, because it was kind of my way to celebrate their heritage and the passing of one of the Hungarians. So I love that. And you're bringing up for me, you're reminding me of, I was the first runner up for the Oktoberfest queen contest in 1984. But what was it fun and interesting is we represented, we went to all the parades and the floats and went to different events because uh-huh. we were representing Luxembourg. So I learned a lot about the heritage by being a part of that, because right. that was our job, was to go around the four court and the queen went around and spread the love of Luxembourg and our Remsen heritage, so. Nice. So there's a uh, Hungarian society that sponsors kids of Hungarian descent to go to Hungary for like a six week immersive program. Wow. And come be um, like 
advocates for the hung and you know uh ambassadors i would cool. say cool i know isn't that cool so my kids qualify to do that that none of them have taken advantage of it yet and it's like all free anyway i love it really cool all right one our wrap question today and we'll kind of go quick because we are we've been chatty today um coming to america is being released today have you watched number one and what was your favorite movie from the 80s Okay, so hilariously, uh, Garrett saw Coming to America was going to was opening. So we watched it last weekend, Coming yeah. to America. I watched it in the 80s, but I must not have been paying attention. It felt like a new movie to me. Yeah. Favorite movie of the 80s. I loved the pretty and pink type things. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, what would be another one? That whole era, you know, I, I, um, Top Gun. Uh, I was just going to say, yeah. so when I read this question, I'm like, Top Gun, that's it. I remember being Garrett like, can remember every word. Oh Garrett. my gosh. I was like, I was a fangirl. My best friend and I, I think we went several times to see it because it was like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. <laughs> Another one I would, so Alamo Draft House did a Top Gun night and we, we, in Omaha, we used to love going and then yeah. people dress up and they did special drinks, but, um, during COVID, I don't know if you saw that they did, uh, they had a whole bunch of celebrities together and they did Fast Times at Ridgemont High and they were reading parts. Oh, Jennifer Sanders. So Garrett and I went back and watched Fast Times at Ridgemont High with Spicoli. And, you know, it is funny what you watched it and you remember parts, but it's like, I don't, you know, this is fun to watch it a second time. Yeah. So we right. are going to watch Coming to America too. I think it opened this weekend, didn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it's tonight. Uh, yeah, March 5th or whatever. Nice. Yeah. Today's the fifth. And, um, I, the first one, I don't remember seeing it either, but I'm sure I did. Like, it seems very familiar to me, but we'll see. So, all right, well, that's it. Thanks. And we will talk next time. Happy St. Patrick's day, everyone. Yes.